going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 280 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Halver, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to go game by game through wild card weekend in the NFL. The playoffs are here. Excitement is high, Joey. Before we get into that, I need a Super Bowl prediction, early Super Bowl prediction. Who makes it through the bracket? I mean, that's a that's a tough question because I, I think this year more than than in years past, it, it's more open than ever. I think that out of the AFC, there's really only three contenders, especially after this week with you know some key players being out for some some teams. We have the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs as the three contenders, and I'm having a hard time picking which team I think is going to come out because I I could see scenarios in which all three teams come out and. I think that we're most likely going to get a Cincinnati versus Buffalo Bills playoff game on a neutral field. And honestly, in that game, I'm probably betting on Joe Burrow to to come out on top over Josh Allen. That would leave a Bengals Chiefs championship game, right? Correct. On, On a neutral field. Yes. Patrick Mahomes has never beaten Joe Burrow, but that'd be as good of a time as any to beat Joe Burrow. I don't know. I I would lean Chiefs right now, but I I think Bengals would be the team that I'm rooting for to to go back to the Super Bowl. I just like Joe Burrow. I like Jamar Chase. I I like T. Higgins. Um, And honestly, I think they're the most talented offense in the AFC. Uh, I don't know if that's a hot take or not. And then in the NFC, I think it's the Eagles conference to lose for sure. But the 49ers, I think, are the most talented team on offense in the NFC. Is that a hot take? I would agree with that. Okay. And they could definitely make a run, but I'm not betting on Brock Purdy. And the way that I see this week playing out, I think the Vikings get the job done against the Giants, even though they'll be tough. I think the Giants are one of the worst playoff teams in the history of the entire NFL. <laughs> um, I think that the 49ers probably handled the Seahawks you know, pretty handedly, except Seattle has given trouble to the 49ers and Pete Carroll has kind of had Kyle Shanahan's number, you know, in their durations of their careers with their respective teams. So I want to count Seattle out, but 49ers definitely are the better team there. So I think they probably went at home and then we're going to get a 49ers Vikings divisional game. And this is probably where the hot take comes in. I think the Vikings win that game. Mm. I think that the Vikings have been good against good teams this year. They've beaten, you know, the Bills in Buffalo. They have some some key wins on the resume. Kirk Cousins has played some of the best football of his entire career. Obviously, the concern is the defense with Minnesota there. And the, the 49ers would definitely be able to exploit the Vikings defense for sure. But straight up, when it comes down to it, I'll take Kirk Cousins over Brock Purdy. That's definitely a hot take, even though, and the 49ers will open up as favorites at at that point. And then I think with the Eagles, I I think they probably play the Cowboys round one. I think the Cowboys go into Tampa Bay and get the job done. I I, I love Brady. That's that's my dog. But I I think this Bucs team is one and done, and I can't wait for them to to make me eat my words on Monday night because... That's obviously what's going to happen, right? And and then I think that Eagles-Cowboys game is a lot closer than what people might expect. But on the flip side, I can see the Cowboys losing because they've maybe been playing the worst football out of any playoff team in the entire playoffs over the last month or two of the season. You know, they played a close game against Houston. They lost to the Jags. They lost to the Commanders. They barely beat a Gardner-Minshew-led Eagles team, you know, by six points. 
I don't know. They 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 could easily lose the Tom Brady, and then you know we'd have an Eagles Bucks matchup. I think the Eagles win that. I think it's an Eagles Vikings championship game, and the Eagles probably pull it out. So mm-hmm. Eagles versus Chiefs or Eagles versus Bengals is my prediction. I know that's kind of long, but that that's how I envision the whole playoff scenario playing out. Get, get, you just gave the full breakdown. You know every aspect, every game. I, I like that. I mean, I I agree with a lot of your takes there. The only problem with the NFC take, I think, is that like you only have a one in four chance of the Vikings and 49ers game being the 1 p.m. Sunday game. <laughs> so there, there's a really Fair thin point. margin for there for Kirk Cousins to to make it past 49ers. You got like a 25% shot. Um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I think it's Philly Buffalo personally. I mean, oh, how, a, how contrarian a, of you. <laughs> Just pick the just I'm, pick the two most likely teams, huh? The Bills aren't the most likely. They're the two. I mean, seed. they're they're tied with the Chiefs in terms of odds, I believe. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing about the Eagles is that we've just seen them dominate all year long, you know, in in really a fashion that is the most dominant that we've seen this season. They just blow teams out of the water, especially the the first half of the year. Just an insane run. We've been saying all year, it's like, can we see a team finally push the Eagles? And I don't think that'll be any team in the NFC other than San Francisco because of the quality of talent on the roster. But when it comes down to it, you know, Brock Purdy, like you said, I think will fall ultimately to Jalen Hurts. And, you know, I see this as a season of destiny for the Buffalo Bills, man. Like they've had so much going for them. There's so much emotion, Joey, in this locker room over the past couple of weeks. And I I think it's going to translate to success. You know, this is going to be a championship for DeMar. You know what I mean? I mean... You know, I, I like buying into the whole narrative, like, you got to do this for DeMar. But he's fine. He's good now, right? He yep. didn't die, thank God. Obviously, the, they're they're still going to play for him, and he's probably not going to play the rest of the year. Not probably. He He's not going to play the rest of the year. Um, Is that confirmed? I mean, he, he's what not if, playing. What, what, if, what if they make the Super Bowl? You couldn't see a return to the field for DeMar Hamlin? I mean, if that happens, the Bills are winning by 40. No. <laughs> no, but you know, tragic things have have happened to teams over the course of the entire history of the NFL, and they and they don't win championships. Course, you know that. Of course, that's that's not a that's not a precursor to an automatic you know title game because not, something tragic is, happened. But this is not like it's not like we're picking a bum team. It's not like we're saying like you know this happens to the Giants and we think they're going to go on a run through the NFC. No, it's like this is one of the best four teams in the NFL and I, I think it's just their time, man. Like it is their time. You know, we we've seen some Mahomes Super Bowls. We saw the Bengals go on their sun run last year and it's just it's time for the Bills. It's their turn. They're due. <laughs> I mean, they probably are due for sure. And I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I hope that I like I, I would like if they made the Super Bowl. You know, we have a lot of Bills fans that we're friends with and that we know family members that are that are Bills fans. And we live right near Buffalo and upstate New York. And I mean, it'd be dope to, to see them win a win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Maybe I mean, I'm maybe I'm picking with my heart a little bit. Bills I mean, are it's obvi- obviously obviously you're, you're you're picking with your heart there. Um, and I mean, the Bills essentially get a bye week this this week, so we'll talk about that. <laughs> and I just think that a, a Cincinnati Buffalo divisional game on a neutral field. I don't know. I, I think I I think the Bengals have a better offense just in terms of talent. I think that Joe Burrow has shown at every level of his fucking career that he is clutch and he's been more clutch than Josh Allen. That's not debatable at all. 
and I wouldn't bet against Joe Shiesty. It's that for me. Yeah. It's that simple. I see that. Um, but the Bills can obviously win that game, and who knows how the game would have played out had they been able to finish that Monday night game. Uh, probably would have been electric. But I mean, Joe Burrow just first drive went down, picked picked apart their defense. Second drive was on pace to do the same thing. Right. So if they can come I out and do that, I don't want to take too much from eight minutes of game action. I mean, but that that first drive was decisive for sure. That showed that you know they they can play with any team. Joe Burrow made you know every throw. First play of the game, they came out, took a shot to to Jamar Chase, got the PI on Trey White, like. That would have been a touchdown if it wasn't pass interference. You know, like Jamar Chase, 10 out of 10 times is cooking Trey White and making him his daddy. Yeah, no, I see that as well, yeah. So, all I'm saying is I think Cincinnati is is a Super Bowl sleeper once again. And I, I think that, you know, they're in a, a very good position to make another run at it. And, and Joe Burrow has shown that, you know, under pressure, that that's when he performs his best. So we shall definitely see. But before we get, you know, through this whole playoff debacle, we have to start from the beginning, you know, game one. And the first game of the NFL playoffs kicks off on Saturday. We have Seattle at San Francisco. The 49ers are nine and a half point home favorites. This is a 42 and a half total game down two points from open. It's a game that we've seen play out many times. Division rivals. Actually, fun fact. I mean, we've seen all of these games play out already this year uh some of them more mm. than once three of them more than once every matchup the teams have played in the playoffs yeah so for this, this this round we every get a, team has played each repeats. other this season yeah no i mean so that's interesting and we can go back and look at these games i think that the more times a team plays the other team the lower scoring the expectation is going to be like we see that all the time in division games where the trend is that the second division game is lower scoring than the first these teams have already faced each other they know the adjustments that they need to make and and so especially i see that being the case in the division games which there are three of here and, and this is the first so i mean in general how do you see this game playing out geno smith versus Brock Purdy, probably the least exciting duel of quarterbacks uh, out of the six games that we have here. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously the least appealing game from a DFS perspective. You know, if you're if you're playing the full slate Saturday through Monday, this is definitely the game where you probably get contrarian a little bit if, if you want to go that route. This is potentially the only weather game with it raining for probably the first time in California in like seven years on <laughs> this specific day, uh, Saturday at 4.30. Pretty high chance of thunderstorms there but in terms of dfs i think cmc is probably one of the best plays on the slate at home against the seahawks defense he's 8900 on DraftKings. then you got some nice contrarian wide receivers in dk metcalf tyler lockett both in the 6ks metcalf 6.2 lockett 6k flat um the 49er skill position skill position guys outside of cmc are pretty cheap and iuk samuel they're both under 6k george kittle 6.1 but from a game perspective i mean this is obviously the worst game i think this game goes under 42 and a half just think it's going to be a battle of two teams trying to control the clock establish a ground game and I don't really see this game shooting out but prior to this season 
both of the games this season went under this 42 and a half total prior to that the 49ers and Seahawks games have been generally a little bit higher scoring games uh, with, with the Seahawks coming out on top but third time around I think this is probably a closer game and if I had to pick a bet I would I, w- I would probably lean Seahawks with the points and I, I would take the under I agree with you I think nine and a half is too much especially with weather concerns it is also worth noting I'm not I'm noticing this in real time as we're recording that there are price discrepancies between the six game slate and the two game slate for example George Kittle is 6100 on the six game slate he's 59 on the two and, and there are some other examples of that as well we're just going to sort of talk about this from the six game slate perspective I want the information to be as useful as possible for people throughout the week um, and, and weekend here so you know as the Saturday games play this will still be applicable uh, this podcast for Sunday and Monday so we're just going to look at things from the six game slate DFS wise I agree with pretty much everything you said I don't think that anybody's going to be playing the quarterbacks here I think that you know Metcalf and Lockett are interesting plays I think people will look to game stack other games and that will keep their general ownership down Christian McCaffrey is the one piece of substantial chalk from this game deservedly so they're massive uh, home favorites they have one of the highest team totals on the slate at 26 that looks really good to me and outside of Christian McCaffrey every other direction that you would want to go here would be contrarian for DFS tournaments and I think the spot that I like the most would be Kenneth Walker I think that he gets very underlooked like you said potential weather game here and his workload has been absolutely absurd he's had 24 plus touches in three straight games on prize picks his line at 60 even in a negative game script seems too low to me that's a prop that I like as well um, even as a straight bet on sports books like he's just going to get so much work even in a neutral to negative game script that I think Kenneth Walker's lines are a little bit low and he makes sense as somebody who has access to a ceiling just based off workload even if it is not the best spot and in closing I would also say that you know both 49ers wide receivers are interesting like they have access to a ceiling Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel both sub 6k like these are guys who can hit 25 plus at a sub 6k price tag and are direct leverage off of Christian McCaffrey yep uh totally agree with everything you just said so I think we're pretty much on the same page with this first game uh not not the best game to target but definitely some some key pieces that you could play in dfs cmc as chalk kenneth walker as a nice leverage piece uh but generally think the the consensus from both of us is th- this is not the game that we would be targeting no it it would definitely not and and i mean shout out to me i have to go to a wedding on saturday and i am so happy that this is the four o'clock game wedding is at four o'clock i'll be able to just miss this game you know worst game i think of the six games of the playoff slate and, and you you know, dip out quick enough to catch this next game, which I actually am excited for. That is the Chargers at Jacksonville. Jacksonville at home here as two-point underdogs. This game has a 47 and a half point total, up a half point from open. Second highest total on the slate. This game is exciting, man. I, I we've got the young Trevor Lawrence-led Jacksonville offense facing a Chargers team that has the talent to make a run, but as an organization perpetually tends to disappoint. And and I think that you know this game is a game out of all the games that I could really truly see going either way where I don't have a strong feel as to who wins this game I, I could I think you could make a pretty good case for either squad here yeah so I mean currently the the Chargers are minus two in this game and I think that's probably correct I, I do agree that this game could go either way if I had to lean aside I, I think I lean Chargers there I'll just take the better quarterback I'll take the better offense in my opinion uh, against you know a young quarterback first playoff game 
I think the Jags' time is coming soon, but I don't think it's this year. So I think the Chargers get the job done, and I think that this is one of the best games on this slate to target for sure. Uh, Justin Herbert's only 6,600. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams are both 6K+. plus. Keenan Allen has just been balling out ever since he returned from injury back in Week 11. You know, multiple games with 20-plus DraftKings points, and just the PPR upside is extremely high with Keenan Allen. And then you have the Jags guys, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne is in a very good spot. And they've all shown ceilings at one point or another this year. Etienne is probably chalk on DK. If you're playing the six-game slate, he's only 6,300. Chargers, one of the worst run defenses in the entire league. So I think he's going to be chalky. I could see Herbert being a little bit chalky. This is one of the highest total games on the slate. You know, you said you think the the Seattle-San Francisco game is the worst game of the six. I, I don't don't think so I think that's actually hot take I think that is Miami Buffalo I think that's the worst game just because Skylar Thompson is starting and that's not gonna that's not gonna be a competitive game right that, that's a bye week for Buffalo and same thing with Baltimore like in Cincinnati Lamar Jackson most likely isn't going to play this week the Bengals are just getting a free win so honestly I think those are the two worst games uh, ju- just from that perspective like we're, we're gonna get two good teams just you know sleepwalking through the game but I digress this game two very good young quarterbacks a ton of skill position talent two solid head coaches one of the highest total games on the slate if you're stacking if you're playing the Saturday slate I think this is the game you stack and I think that if you're playing the full game full game slate this game is one of the best of this of the six from a DFS perspective yeah I mean a a lot to chew on there with what you said I totally agree this game is definitely going to be the more popular game to stack on the two games slate and and for what it's worth from a DraftKings perspective the Saturday two game slate and the Sunday three game slate are the two main slates here both slates have Millie makers uh, whereas the six game slate is more like you know what you would see on a typical week being like the Thursday to Monday which is, it's more of an ancillary slate so from a two game perspective this is for sure the game to target and you know one of my hot takes here I think that Travis Etienne is going to be the highest scoring running back on this slate I think he's phenomenal chalk I have a lot of interest in playing into that chalk I want to be all over Travis Etienne this week like when you think about the worst rush defenses in the league like you think about the Texans and the Packers Browns Bears but the Chargers are the second worst out of all these teams 127.29 yards allowed to running backs on average this is a phenomenal spot for Travis Etienne I think they took it a little easy on him last week and it just wasn't the matchup because Tennessee is a pure pass funnel he ended up having a disappointing game but prior to that Travis Etienne was producing at an elite level and this is such a good spot for them you know win or lose I think Travis Etienne has a big game so I'm I'm all over that Mm -hmm. for this week I also want to note from a DFS perspective especially on the two game slate so much of the ownership is going to consolidate holiday around Travis Etienne and Christian McCaffrey. I feel like Austin Eckler looks like a really strong tournament play. He has just as high of a ceiling as, as somebody like Christian McCaffrey. I mean, had what, like 100 receptions this year? Just absolutely insane for Austin Eckler. Like he, he's he been Justin Herbert's safety blanket all season long. So many high ceiling games as a result of that. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, 30 plus point games on DraftKings this season. Just absolutely incredible by Austin Eckler and against the Jackson. Jaguars, which is a beatable defense on the road. I, th- I think Eckler's in a phenomenal spot as a GPP pivot off of Christian McCaffrey chalk. Yep, I I, I totally agree with that take. I, I like Eckler as the pivot at the top end uh, on this six-game slate, especially I think 
that Saquon, we'll talk about that here shortly. I think Saquon, CMC, and ETN are probably the three highest home running backs on the Saturday through Monday slate specifically. Yep. I agree with that take. Let's move on to Sunday, where, as you laid it out, the Buffalo Bills open with what is essentially a bye hosting the (laughs) Miami Dolphins, nine and a half point favorites, 43 and a half total, down only one point, which I'm a little bit surprised. I thought the total would drop a little bit more once the Tua news came out. It was announced today that Tua Tagovailoa has been ruled out. Very unfortunate for this Dolphins team. I mean, I think this Dolphins team had the potential to be dangerous, you know, yeah, a few weeks sure. ago, but with, with Skylar Thompson at quarterback, this is just a completely different scenario. With that being said, I, I want to push back a little bit on what you said earlier about this being the worst game to target. I mean, even though I expect it to be completely non-competitive, I, I offer you a, a memory of last year, which I'm sure you remember January 15th, 2022, when the Buffalo Bills played the New England Patriots and scored seven touchdowns in a non-competitive game, 47 to 17, Josh Allen, 300 yards and five touchdowns touchdowns on his own there's obviously upside with this Bills offense even in a non-competitive game yeah no I I I definitely I definitely agree I meant so I meant more so it's the worst game from like a viewing perspective not Ah, from a DraftKings perspective sure sure okay that makes sense that because because you said like Seattle San Fran is like the worst game Um, I'm assuming you meant like the worst game to watch because you said you weren't going to be able to watch it right so I said, I think Miami-Buffalo is the worst game on the slate, and Baltimore-Cincinnati's right there for me in, t- in terms of games that I want to watch, just because I don't think it's going to be a competitive game. But from a fantasy perspective, I mean, the Buffalo Bills can absolutely slaughter in, in this matchup, right? Yeah. Like Josh Allen, by far the the best quarterback play on the board. Diggs, 7,600 on DK on the, on the full game slate. I could definitely see him being a little high-owned. Uh, nobody's going to play the Dolphins guys, and, and rightfully so so but maybe the Dolphins guys are the contrarian pivot obviously that that's a little disgusting and this game isn't going to be competitive the Bills should just blow the brakes off Miami in the spot with Thompson at quarterback so this is just a game where I'm only playing Bills and that that's it I have no interest in you know any of the Dolphins players maybe maybe potentially Jeff Wilson if Raheem Mostert is unable to go he broke his thumb last week but that, that that's a huge maybe and with Thompson at quarterback his dude just checks it down at an abnormally high rate. And a lot of the stuff will be close to the line of scrimmage, low A dot, which favors the running back. So I, th- I think with Wilson in a full-time role, if Moser is unable to go at 5,400 would be the cheap running back that I, w- I would play on DK, uh, especially with pass catching upside. So that mm-hmm. that's the that's the dirty take at, at running back for this game. For sure. I, I like that as a contrarian pivot, especially on the three game slate. I don't think that too many people will go there. It's just hard to obviously, you know, click a road running back in a game where I think the general consensus is just that the Bills completely roll here. Um, I, I love the Bills side of the ball. I actually think that it's a little on brand for me, but Gabe Davis, he's finally priced at a point where I think you can embrace the risk. Like when he was in the 6Ks all season long in DFS, like you were just paying too much for access to a ceiling when the floor outcome was so low. But on a short slate priced at 4,800, I, I think this is a great spot for Gabe Um, coming off of a 10 target performance last week, even though the production hasn't been there. He's had six plus targets in four out of his last five games. He's still involved and he still has a ceiling despite having a, a relatively disappointing year from a season long perspective. I, I like 
like Gabe a lot as a, you know, one-off. Maybe if you're stacking the Giants-Vikings game for DFS purposes, I think Gabe is a high upside pick, as well as the Bills running backs in a spot where, like, the Bills have shown that they're more willing to lean on the running backs this season, and in a non-competitive game, I could see that being the case as well. Thinking back again to that game last year against the Patriots, where they, they blew the Patriots out in the wild card round, Devin Singletary had two touchdowns in that game as well, and mm-hmm. I could see something similar happening this this year. Yeah, I, I definitely don't mind James Cook. He's 4,800 as well. Gabe Davis is, is a good call for sure. Uh, like you said, the, the price is just good now, quite frankly, right? Finally. Like, Gabe Davis above 6K like you you can't play that but but now he's back under 5k kind of similar similarly priced to where he was last season uh in the playoffs and you know comes out in the divisional round 200 yard game for tutties yeah so the upside is there with Gabe. I like that call as a tournament play for sure. Uh, James Cook, I think, has overtaken Devin Singletary in that backfield. He's 4,800. Singletary's 5.5. So I, I would lean Cook there for 700 less. Um, and then, like I said, Jeff Wilson for me is the uh, disgusting tournament play at running back uh, in this in this game. Yep. I, I like all of those calls. Uh, the only other player from Miami that I want to mention is Tyreek. I mean, I, I just know from talking to Bills fans that they are afraid of Tyreek Hill in the playoffs because of what's happened in, in years prior. Um, that's anecdotal. I, I don't expect him to have a massive game here, but Tyreek Hill has kind of been the Bills killer. And no matter who's throwing him the ball, he just has the talent to make things happen. So, I mean, I think it's worth, if you're just going full send, you know, first or worst mentality in a GPP, I think you can add Tyreek Hill as a bring back to a bill stack and just, you know, hope that he can overcome the lack of, you know, quarterback talent and, and just shine the way that we know he can. And I think that's possible. So GPP specific strategy only, but Tyreek Hill in play for me is a bring back on bill stuff. All right. Moving on to our highest total game of the week, New York Giants at Minnesota. This has a 48 and a half point total up one point from open. And, you know, this is a a matchup between two teams that I think coming into the playoffs, people looked at as both being, you know, one and done teams, but they can't be because they have to play each other. Minnesota runs very pure here. I think getting the New York Giants, as you described earlier, you know, the worst playoff team in several years to make the playoffs quarterbacked by Danny Dimes. And while I tend to agree with you in the same token, Danny Dimes is like an interesting play on DraftKings this week. You're saving a ton of salary by going down to him from Josh Allen. Allen 7,900. Daniel Jones only 5,600. We saw this matchup play out a few weeks ago. Danny Dimes had 24 points in that game. He's coming off of a 36 burger last week. He's had a couple of 30 point games this season. And while he's not a great real life quarterback because of what he does as a rusher, and especially in this matchup against the league worst Minnesota secondary Daniel Jones is certainly interesting as a pay down option on DraftKings this week yeah I mean I think Daniel Jones would be the the chalk quarterback at the bottom of the pool above Geno and T-Law just the matchup is right the rushing upside is there with Daniel Jones the price is good so at 5600 definitely agree with that Saquon at 79 Delvin Cook at 7k both look okay um you just need multiple touchdowns from each at this point. If we're looking at the wide receivers, I think Justin Jefferson, I mean, is obviously not that much of a surprise that he's the best wide receiver play on the slate. 8,400, the, the price is good. Uh, the, the upside, the matchup is there. He went for 34 points against this Giants team in, in week 16. Don't know why they would price him at 8,400. Seems like he's like five or 600 off. That's marketing. 
yeah, no, they, yeah, they, you, they, they want to make it easier for people, you know? Yeah, for, for sure. So he's, he's definitely the best wide receiver play on the slate, but that's not saying much. Um, he's been the best wide receiver in the NFL this year. The cheap Giants wide receivers are probably good tournament plays. Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, um, maybe, you know, Kenny Galladay gets in there a little bit after that touchdown last week. But you Darius did not, Slate, you did not just bring up Kenny Galladay before Darius Slate, and there's hey. no way. Hey, Kenny, Kenny G, <laughs> he might get some extra run. That's I a saw disgusting someone say play. that was his first touchdown since he posted that picture on Instagram with the girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the cheap, uh, cheap Giants wide receivers look good. Slayton is four point two, Hodgins four point one, Richie James three point nine. Slayton I think has the most upside of the three from a ceiling perspective but i think richie james has the highest uh target upside and ppr upside on on this team um so all three of them look good as cheap options and i mean gotta gotta shout out kj osborne as well kj osborne's been playing really well and honestly he, he might be the vikings wide receiver too at this point and in his last five games he's gone over 14.8 DraftKings points in four out of five games with one game scoring 34 and that was against the Colts in week 15. Yep I could definitely see KJ Osborne as one of the better leverage plays off of Justin Jefferson who like as you said like his price discount here is a little bit absurd uh, I think it's purely for casual players so like JJ is going to be massive chalk and I think you know pivoting one for one to KJ Osborne and using that salary elsewhere makes a lot of sense just from a theory perspective that being said like Justin Jefferson coming off of two games under double digit fantasy points like that shit ain't happening in the NFL playoffs <laughs> like Justin Jefferson is going to smash I I feel pretty confident about that. I think he's good chalk at the wide receiver position, specific, like especially when you really consider that only Jamar Chase and, and Steph Diggs are in that sort of top tier with him this week with Tyreek Hill obviously playing with a backup quarterback. So JJ to me is the clear-cut wide receiver one, like you said, not a surprise there. And as we always talk about on these short slate DFS slates, like it's always a cheap wide receiver. You know, you got to find who the cheap wide receiver is. I, I think it's one of these Giants guys. I don't know mm. which one. But to your point, they all have upside like Hodgins and Richie James both saw double digit targets when these teams played in week 16. Both of them had really good games. Darius Slayton, less of a factor in that spot, but still Slayton is like in every week, 90 plus percent snap player, deep threat in a great matchup. I love him this week. I mean, super on brand. I I get to like play my whole brand lineup with Gabe Davis and and Slayton together. I'm excited for that. But yeah, I mean, I think mixing in these Giants wide receivers is going to be imperative to win DFS tournament this week i don't know which one it is they all have good roles good matchup but one of these guys is going to be shipping something and you could take that to the bank yeah i mean i, I like that take any interest in the tight ends in the in this game mainly hawk at 51 looks looks good we haven't really talked too much about tight ends on this pod um but hawk in my opinion has the most target upside out of any tight end in this player pool on wildcard weekend so he's Definitely only 5100 yeah, no, he looks he looks really good. I wouldn't be surprised if he were the cash option. I mean, obviously yeah. last week was super disappointing, but they didn't really play a full game there. It was unnecessary. Prior to that, his role was just absolutely insane, including what I'm going to imagine was a career-high 16 targets against the Giants uh, in Week 16, where he exploded for 38.9 DraftKings points. Like, he's going to get steamed just because people are going to look at the game log. They're going to see a monster game against this same team. Like, everybody remembers this. It just happened. Hawkinson's going to be super chalky, but but rightfully so. He's a, he's a smash play this week at tight end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I totally agree. And on the Giants side, I mean, I don't have much interest in any Giants tight end. I mean, it'll be Daniel Bellinger out there at 3K. But realistically, I, I think that Lawrence Cager is a better option for the Giants. I, I just think he provides more upside. But that that's just you know, a talent take, a, a real-life football take. But he's only 2.5K. going to be interested to see if they uh, – they have him up for this game and I don't know maybe I, I think he's probably like a a nice large field tight end dart throw at, at the Stoneman Lawrence Cager you heard yeah. it here first it's a nice hot take from the tight end whisperer I like that let's move on to our final game of Sunday night where the Cincinnati Bengals will host the Baltimore Ravens Bengals are seven and a half point favorites here 41 and a half total down two and a half points biggest line movement that we've seen of any of these games up to this point it looks like the the ravens are going to be without lamar jackson um that kind of really changes the complexion of this game i mean it goes from being a semi-exciting game to just you know another game that i think we can all pretty much just plug and play joe burrow to completely (laughs) blow these ravens out of the water yep i mean lamar faces an uphill battle per quotes of uh baltimore beat reporters to to play so it's very it's looking very unlikely that he's able to suit up tyler huntley is also questionable so you know on, on sunday we're, we might have skylar thompson and anthony brown starting in playoff games it's in the disgusting. afc so essentially you know a nice bye week for this Bengals team a good game to iron out some kinks in the offense potentially obviously they still have to go out there and perform and, and win the game and Joe Burrow is only 6,900 the Bengals wide receivers look solid Jamar Chase is 8k flat one of the highest upsides in the NFL I think he should have some ownership on this uh, six game slate specifically T Higgins did miss practice today which is concerning but I would still expect him to be able and ready to go for this game against Baltimore he's 6500 Tyler Boyd is 4k flat against the Ravens um had 5 for 51 against them just a few short days ago Hayden Hurst is stupid cheap 3100 the tight ends for the Ravens are pretty cheap and Mark Andrews and likely um so you got some nice options in terms of skill position players and I do think that the the Bengals have as much upside as any team in this wild card round so I, I think the Bengals stack is probably the contrarian stack that I would I would get on to if the ownership is there uh, but I, but I do think Jamar Chase will be up there with Justin Jefferson in, in terms of ownership I mean Jamar Chase is a smash play each and every single week I mean the dude gets fucking 10 plus targets like it's nothing the touchdown upside is, is extremely high and the, and the box score could have looked extremely better last week he dropped a touchdown uh on the in the right side of the end zone um yeah usually a play that he makes so no i mean jamar chase is a fucking machine dude this dude yeah, had... he's a smash play this week 100 <laughs> percent. he played five less games than he played last year and caught six more balls like the way that they're targeting him this year is just yeah. absolutely crazy 10.1 targets per game for jamar chase one of only six players in the league to average double digit targets on the season mm-hmm. and out of the 12 games that jamar chase has played he's had 10 plus targets in nine of them like he's yeah. just such a safe bet. It's a beatable matchup. I absolutely love Jamar Chase this week. He's a smash for sure. T Higgins, sixty five hundred. You you mentioned that he he missed practice this week. Like that's just so concerning for me with the history of uh, you know, T. Higgins this year and him being active and not playing, playing one snap. That's the whole sketchy shit that happened like a month or two ago. Like, I don't know, man. I, I need Zach Taylor to get up on that press conference and, and like swear on his children's lives that T. Higgins is going to play this week before yeah, I believe it. That'll never happen yeah, with, it, with how the Bengals 
do their injury reporting. So he'll probably be active for the game. I doubt he misses. He'll probably play a few snaps and, and then magically somehow uh, he'll have an injury that none of us knew about. And yeah, GG's. GG's. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> if he were healthy, 6,500 for T Higgins would be like the goat play. Like I, yeah. I, I want to play that really bad. So maybe uh-huh. we'll get some, some solid information before these games kick off. But if it's like a murky situation, I, I've just been hurt, man. I've been hurt <laughs> too many times and I don't trust it. I do not trust it at all. Hayden Hurst to your point, 3,100. Like I, I would just rather play him attached to Joe Burrow than like Bellinger or Cager or any of these other cheap tight end punts. Like yeah. if you're not playing 4K or above Dawson Knox, Evan Ingram, TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle types, like I'm probably just punting it off with Hayden Hurst and calling it a day. You're getting a tight end attached to elite quarterback with good touchdown upside there. Yeah, I totally agree, but fuck Hayden Hurst. Oh Bro, yeah, he, he sold you uh, so hard, huh? Like I remember that. I, I had the read I had the read right on on prize picks. He had a catch incentive, right? His 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 catch line was three on prize picks, whatever, and I don't I don't really play even line props all that much. So I'm like, all right, I think that they're gonna get the ball to him early and often just to get him that catch incentive. Probably chill out the rest of the game. So I took his first half receiving yards over 14 and a half. He had three catches for 16 yards with 15 seconds left in the fir- in the first half. I'm like, oh, that's a cash. They give this man a fucking screen pass and he loses two yards. That is pain. That That's the ultimate pain when you hit a bet and then you lose the yardage after. Like, I would rather just not hit it at all. Yeah, exactly. So got hooked on, on Hayden Hurst's first half receiving yards. That was fucking horrible. But 3,100, I think he is the, the punt tight end. Like, if you're, if you're playing cash... On this six-game slate, you're you're playing Hayden Hurst, in my opinion. I agree with that take as well. I do agree with that. Besides, like, GPP long shots on the tight ends, I don't think that there's anybody that you're playing from the Ravens. You know, obviously no quarterbacks. Yeah, I don't no. think the running backs are good plays this week either. Yeah, I mean, the only Raven that I would really have interest in is J.K. Dobbins with Gus Edwards uh, getting a concussion last week. The only shot you know if we're if we're talking about teams and and how they can win their games the only way the Ravens can win this game is with a massive J.K. Dobbins performance with them Mm -hmm. controlling the clock bleeding the clock keeping Joe Burrow off of the field and letting J.K. Dobbins run stupid and I mean whenever he's out there this man averages like 17 yards a carry so J.K. Dobbins 5700 I think is an okay tournament pivot obviously the the game script most likely will go super super south but I, I'd really just be more interested in betting J.K. Dobbins prop on prize picks, which is currently 61 and a half. And I think that even in uh, bad games, like they're just going to force feed Dobbins a ball. And if Gus Edwards is out, that's even better for J.K. Dobbins. So uh, th- there's a nice little prize picks take for the kids out there. J.K. Dobbins rushing yards uh, over 61 and a half on prize picks currently as it stands right now. I actually, I really like that. I see him and Kenneth Walker as similar plays where they're just going to get the workload it's the only way that tough match have a chance yeah, yeah tough matchups but like the lines are low because of those matchups and the workloads yeah. are so secure like jk dobbins had a season high 17 attempts last week yeah man i, I like that i like dobbins and, and, and walker on price pick and with dobbins like they gave him the week off right they they had gus up he unfortunately got hurt but dobbins did not play at all last week mm. right so he he's coming in to this game with a little bit of extra rest and like I said, he's really only a prize picks play for me at 61 and a half yards just because on DK, you're going to need the 100-yard bonus. You're going to need a touchdown or two, and then you're also going to need the other running backs to not do much for him to 
to compete, especially with how the, the game plays out. But in the games that he's played since he's returned from injury in week 14, he's hit this line in three out of four games over 61 and a half. And obviously the, the one game against Atlanta where he finished with 59 yards, that was fucking painful for me. They didn't play him at all in the second half. So he kind of got some rest there and, and it was all the Gus Edwards show. But the, this is a spot where the only way they win is on the back of J.K. Dobbins. So there, there's a nice uh, play for you on prize picks. I, I think he hits this pretty easily, to be honest, even if they get blown out. I, I think I'm locking that in right after the show, to be honest with you. Uh, really good case there for J.K. Dobbins. Let's close things out here with the final game of Wild Card Weekend on Monday. The Dallas Cowboys will travel to Tampa Bay to face Tom Brady and the Bucks. Bucks are two and a half point home underdogs. This has a 45 and a half point total right in the middle of the slate in terms of totals up one point from open. You know, a few weeks ago, man, like, we were talking about how the Bucks had completely collapsed and it looked like they might lose this playoff spot to the Carolina Panthers led by Sam Darnold, just an absolute travesty. And yet now, like a month later, I think I'm leaning with the GOAT, man. Like Dallas has really shaken my confidence. Like you talked about at the top of the show, they've been playing horrible football coming into the playoffs. You know, usually you want to see teams coming in hot teams like, you know, the Jags playing really well to make it and and stuff like that. And Dallas has been the inverse of that. Like, I don't know. I could see either team winning. I think that this is a close game similar to the Jacksonville Chargers game where I don't have a definitive take on who wins. To me, this is like a game of who is going to disappoint harder. And I I don't know, man. I just think that Brady with the playoff success, the double decade tenure of playoff experience is going to be a factor in this spot at home as well for Tampa Bay. I mean, Dallas is arguably the team that is playing the worst football coming in coming into the playoffs out, out of teams that are contenders right like Miami okay whatever they have a backup quarterback like Baltimore same, same thing right if we if we exclude those teams out of the you know remaining 10 teams Dallas is arguably been playing the worst out of all 10 especially if you like include what the expectation is yeah right like if if you include expectation they're easily the most disappointing team yeah absolutely you know Dak good good enough offensive line you know they're they're not the Cowboys offensive line that like I I feel like everybody remembers and and thinks they are but they've been good Tony Pollard CD Schultz Gallup a couple other ancillary guys that play really well Yep. Very, very good defense to to start the year. They've just gone on a stretch where, you know, they almost lose to to Houston, takes a game-winning drive from Dak. They blow, what, like a a two- or three-score lead against Jacksonville, lose that game. They lose against Washington last week. They played their starters for the entire game. They beat a Gardner-Minshew-led Eagles team by six points, still gave up 30-plus to that team, a a team that got shut down by the Saints the week after, only gave up 10 points to that same team. I don't know. I I think that this Cowboys team is very talented, and I'm interested in in some of their guys for DFS, like Tony Pollard is only 6400 one of the cheaper price tags that we've seen him at. I personally think CeeDee Lamb is a smash play this week at 7,700. I definitely have a ton of interest in CeeDee Lamb. You know, you mentioned Jamar Chase as as one of the only wide receivers to average 10-plus targets. I would assume CeeDee Lamb is up there as well or right on the cusp. He's been a target monster the entire year, upside extremely high. Um, And, and I think that in this spot, the Cowboys are going to have to throw the ball. So CeeDee Lamb is probably my favorite play. And then Schultz at, at 4.3 is definitely a very good play as well. And then the Bucks guys, this is a more of a playoff 
best ball take, especially on like DraftKings or, or Drafters, a full PPR site. Like like Godwin is like a smash pick. I and love he's, him. And he's 6,400, and he, he's going to get seven catches minimum, <laughs> like six, seven catches minimum. Mike Evans priced a little high, so he's a nice tournament play, but the upside, as we saw last week or the week before, I should say, is obviously extremely high. Yeah, and, light, light 51 points, just another yeah. day at the office. Fuck it, right? And, and you know, they, they got the go, and... They, they just had to get there. You know, they, they kind of have been disappointing all season, but now they're in the playoffs. They have a home game against a team that continuously disappoints in the, in the playoffs. Um, You know, I said before the pod, what are the two teams that disappoint every single year and have for like 20 plus years in a row? The Dallas Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills. So it's, it's hard to it's hard to get that out of your head because obviously each year is a different team and different scenarios and, and whatnot. But for some reason, it just feels like those two teams are, are cursed a little. A bit and, and if you want you the inverse of that it's tom brady and the bucks yeah. like who yeah. who who do you not bet against in the nfl playoffs more than anybody <laughs> over the last 20 years it's tom fucking brady man and and, and like he's still and, got the supporting cast that's the thing like it's a good enough team that they can get it done i i i trust brady over Dak here like the more i think about it the more that i think tampa bay i mean especially as underdogs i'm taking money line here i, I yeah. think the bucks win and and, and the bucks were almost there you know last year as well you know they weren't as good as they were the year before but they played the rams you know in tampa bay the rams obviously came in and beat them but the rams blew that game blew that lead and we thought we were going to see another you know tom brady vintage performance but matt stafford said said nah that's enough of that and he clutched up himself but you know brady's going to be in the thick of things and if they're down and out they ain't never down and out no they're definitely not and and to be fair like i know that right now it's totally out of our minds but when it comes if we're talking about clutch genes stafford and dak are two different people like stafford's always been clutch mm-hmm. he's always been a great fourth quarter quarterback going back to his lions days like i Just don't the know teams if around stafford dak. have been kind of terrible yeah no yeah, for sure so that, for sure so that makes for sure sense. Yeah, but yeah, but, Dak. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they they are in different tiers. Um, Stat Stafford is clutch. Dak really isn't. And I do have interest in the Bucks guys. I think uh, playoff Lenny Lombardi Lenny, whatever you want to call him, at, at fifty three hundred. Very very good play this week. Um, and, and fun fact: the only game in which Leonard Fournette went over hundred yards rushing was Week One against mm. the Dallas Cowboys. I like that. I like that. Was that the game Dak got hurt, or was that the? It was. It was the game. Dak got hurt. The yeah. Bucks won nineteen to three. So we get a nice week one rematch. Both teams are healthy. Fournette five point three. His playoff Lenny time. You know when push comes to shove, Leonard Fournette is the guy in this Bucks offense. Ton of pass catching upside. When they need yards, they're going to Leonard Fournette. If they're on a potentially game winning drive, it's Leonard Fournette out there. He'll get a ton of checkdowns in the spot. Five point three k for Lombardi Lenny. Way too cheap. Way way too cheap in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I like that take a lot. Like, you know how December is Derrick Henry's month? Well, January is, is Leonard Fournette's, and, yeah. and that's well proven at this point. Um, The last two takes that I want to get off here is just responding to what you said about the Bucks guys. I mean, from a playoff best ball sense, like when you draft a team like surrounding Chiefs or Eagles where you've got the first round buys, you're probably stacking, you know, with some skilled players there and, and you need to cover your ass for week one. I mean, Chris Godwin, like, like you said, just such a smash, like to get you a nice safe floor performance get you to advance to the next week he's such a smash and like I look at Mike Evans this year the way that I look at Gabe Davis last year like if there's a player that I don't trust the team to be able to go all the way to the Super Bowl but they could have that one week that you need to have especially in like total points I think it 
could be Evans. Like we saw it two weeks ago against the Panthers. Season was on the line. They needed to win that game. Dude, Mike Evans gets targeted 12 times, has 200 yards and three touchdowns. He has massive upside, um, really always has. And and I think that he could put up a monster game in one of these next two weeks as, as the Bucks eventually will probably get eliminated by Philly next week. But mm-hmm. before that, I, I think we could see some Mike Evans glory. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Mike Evans for sure. Um, and I, I think this is one of the better uh, contrarian games, depending on ownership. Obviously, we, do, we don't have ownership right now. And I'm not too sure like who's going to be really chalky in terms of like stacks. Um, obviously, we, we have some players that we think are going to be chalky and, you know, like CMC, Daniel Jones, potentially Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, the cheap Giants wide receivers. One of them will probably be. But I, I think this could be a nice contrarian game to, to target if the ownership is there. Um, I, but I think obviously, it will be. I think CD is the only player from this game who could be like semi chalk. Maybe Godwin, yeah. maybe depending on like if the projections love him. But like Evans, Tony Pollard, who you said because of matchup is going to get completely underlooked, and he has one of the highest ceilings at the running back position. We've seen that at several mm-hmm. points this year. Chips are down. I think they have to go to to, to Pollard over Zeke here. Like yeah. the Zeke experiment is just is so embarrassing at yeah. this point. So and, and uh, same thing yeah. with Fournette. Like yeah, totally agree. Push push comes to shove. We we think the Cowboys. They got to go to TP, and and the Bucks are are one hundred percent going to Lombardi Lenny. No, that's that's a stone cold fact. I mean, I think that that could be one of the better two play correlations that you make on this slate. Would be something like CD and Fournette, or you know, even more contrarian would be Pollard and like Mike Evans or something like that for this slate. But unfortunately for for people on DraftKings, like if you're chasing the larger GPPs, this will be more of like a showdown slate than yeah. you know yeah. any, anything else. But yeah, I I think there's definitely some upside here if you're playing the full six game slate. All right. I mean, goddamn, we we really broke down this week. Six games. I'm excited. NFL playoffs are going to be fun this year. We're going to be at uh, at, the, at the casino on Sunday yeah. watching these games. That's going to be absolute vibes. Uh, anything else that you want to leave the people with before we get out of here? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously not not the best wildcard weekend from, from a game perspective, especially with, uh, you know, Tua being out for the Dolphins and Lamar being out for the Ravens. So we're, we're going to be at Del Lago at one o'clock. If you know, anybody's listening that lives in <laughs> upstate New York, yeah, come um, say what's up. Not too excited for that Bills Dolphins game. Think the Bills probably just trance, but it's going to be a fun time, you know, hanging out, gambling, betting, eating some chicken wings. But yeah, not, not the best, not the best weekend. But there's money to be made, and there, there's props to props to be won. So make sure you join the Discord. Check out the YouTube channel for uh, the the prop content, the prize picks content. We mentioned a couple, and yeah, hopefully we could uh, just cash out on Wildcard Weekend. Yep, definitely. If you guys are playing prize picks, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. I took an early look at the value. Uh, that video comes that out every Tuesday. Gone. Yeah, all, all three picks got bumped, but I mean, shit. That shit is long gone. Be- bell gang, you know, you got to get those noties on because them shits get bumped like within hours of me posting. Um, shout out to me. And and we've also got dedicated price picks videos coming for each day of NFL action. We'll have a Saturday game, Sunday games, and the Monday game all on Here. our YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out. And that is going to be it for episode 280 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carey and DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network, you can join our inner circle via the free Discord chat. Link to find that is in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. <laughs>